Hey everybody, welcome back to The Unlikely Pastor Wife. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Our topic is, are Christians called to be wealthy? And I have a very special guest. You have heard from him before. He is my husband of 21 years. He is a biblical scholar. He has more biblical knowledge in his whole body than I have in my pinky. That's why I'm like, hey babe, come do this podcast with me. So we're going to just talk today about, you know, the current culture, because this is the thing we see celebrities, athletes, influencers, speakers, business people, all showing off their lifestyles. And if we're honest with ourselves, we think they must have it all. The desire to be rich and famous is a cancer in our current day and age. But what are we as Christ followers supposed to do with this? Is it a sin to be wealthy? Can you be a Christian and be wealthy? What does God and the Bible say about wealth? Let's unpack this together. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Unlikely Pastor Wife. I am Allison, your host, and today I have a special guest, my husband, Ryan Moore, who has brought a chair into our closet because he doesn't want to sit on the floor, and it's okay. I'm not professional with this, but you know what? We're making it work, and it's good. That's the authenticity behind it all. So um, today, you guys, we are going to tackle the topic of our Christians called to be wealthy. So I think there's an allure that as a believer, more money means more impact and less money means less impact. And if that was the case, Donald Trump would be a saint and Mother Teresa would be a heathen. So I want to say at the beginning, disclaimer, money is important. No one is saying money is not important. We need it to survive. We need to buy food, shelter, clothing, car insurance, gas, all the things. And there may be people listening to this and you may have a lot of money and that's fine. The question we are tackling is, should we be chasing money? Should we always be wanting more money? Should that be the desire of our hearts as Christ followers? So to help with this, I brought in the Bible scholar who is way smarter than I am in things when it comes to interpreting scripture for what it is. Ryan, what can you say about what you've done in terms of research in the Bible of are Christians called to be wealthy? Yeah, great question. First off, thanks for having me on. Long time listener, second time guest. Guest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's a good topic to talk about. I think we would all agree that money is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now. And that and I think that's true if you're crushing it in business right now, you're crushing it financially, or if you even feel like some stress and anxiety around it and feel like maybe you don't have enough. Maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you wish you had more and are wondering, man, do I need to pursue this? Do I need to get another job? Do I need to work a side hustle? What does this look like? Yeah. And I want to say that goes back to money is important. Like we all need money to survive. No one is yeah, saying absolutely. be John the flipping Baptist and eat wild honey and freaking locusts and wear animal skins. No one is saying that money is important, but the chasing, the pursuit of money and wealth, what does Jesus say about that? So keep yeah. Going. And these are questions that people have asked probably for a long time. And like Jesus knew people were talking a lot about money in the first century and he knew people would be talking a lot about money now. So right. Jesus actually talks quite a lot about money also. So I, I'm like, I'm just going to look at a, a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter six and kind of in context, this is the sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching 
to kind of a ragtag group of people. Some people there are probably wealthy, have a lot mm-hmm. of money. Many people there are poor, kind of in the chapter right before this. Jesus even says, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. And then he starts talking about things like prayer and about fasting. And then he gets to a part about where is your treasure? Like, where is your heart? And about treasures in heaven, where he says things like, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Like he talks about those sorts of things. And then he gets down to verse 24 and he says, hey, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Pretty straightforward for the most part, but a couple things that we need to point out here is this word serve can actually be translated worship. So he's saying you can't worship both God and money. And then the word money that Jesus uses here actually comes from a Hebrew word, meaning the spiritual force behind the human craving for possessions or money and stuff. So to the listeners here, they would have actually heard, hey, you cannot worship both God and the God of money or possessions or stuff. Because to Jesus, money is actually a rival God. And it has the blunt force power really to own the minds and hearts of people. And I think it happens like unintentionally. It happens subconsciously. And before we even know it, money, possessions, stuff are not just things that we have, but they actually become things that have us and they master us and they consume us. And they can, it could cause all sorts of worry and anxiety and even insecurities. And it's like what the notorious B.I.G. once said, like more money, more problems or Mo. I'm sorry, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Mo Money, Mo, Mo Problems. I forgot that you were the expert in 90s hip-hop. I am. Thank you. Okay, so let's, let's like, unpack that because that's the buzzword now, unpack. Let's, let's, let's detangle, deconstruct that. Um, how can things have us or master us or consume us? Do you have examples of that? Yeah, well, I think we need to realize, too, from this passage, like, what Jesus doesn't say like he doesn't say you should not serve two masters. He says he says you can't do it. So he doesn't say, hey, I, I've noticed you guys are kind of like worshiping both God and money right now. You probably shouldn't do that. No, he says it's actually not an option. You can't do it. It's not possible. You either end up worshiping God or you worship money. And the point is that we get to choose. Like we take our pick and So I think if the ultimate pursuit is make more money, the ultimate pursuit is wealth and riches, that could be an example of someone that's Mm. more worshiping money or depending on their wealth to provide for them instead of for God to provide for them. So, okay, let's talk about, and I've used this, this example before, the wheat and the chaff that Jesus uses in the Bible, separating those two. Because sometimes when we think of people pursuing wealth, we think of, oh, people who are pursuing wealth are the athletes, the influencers, the, you know, the Jeff Bezos of, of the world. But let's look at it in the Christian context, because I think that there is a subculture of Christians who preach a prosperity gospel, and there is a wheat in a in a chaff that needs to be separated. And so this is going to make some people uncomfortable and I'm okay with that. Cause again, this is the unlikely pastor Y podcast. I'm not here to make everybody, I'm not tickling everybody's ears and that's fine. Where is that separation in the Christian church where 
the wheat is the good and the chaff is the bad. And we have to separate the two. And we as Christians have, need to have discernment to be able to see what is the wheat, what is the chaff, and separate the two and be able to discern that. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like what you already said. I mean, the point here is he's not he, he, he's not saying, first off, like you need to live in abject poverty. Right. Like that's not the point. He's simply saying don't worship it. Um, but what does that like, look don't like? worship money don't worship god and and i think like when we want the end to justify the means where okay. when we say hey i'm going to go after money i'm going to pursue as much money as i possibly can so that i can be generous like being generous is great and we know like a lot of wealthy people that are super generous people mm -hmm. as well and that's and that's great but if you read further on down here like when it gets to verse 33 jesus doesn't say hey Seek first riches and wealth, and then give mm. some of that money to the kingdom. Right. No, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, what are you seeking first? What are you going after first? What is your heart's ultimate pursuit? Seek that. And then if God blesses you, and because you do work hard, which we are supposed to do, like as followers of Jesus, yeah, like that, that is a spiritual mandate. We are to work hard. We are to cultivate. And oftentimes the result of that and the byproduct of that is money. It could even be wealth. So then, but because you're seeking God first and foremost, and because God may bless you with a lot of money, yeah, absolutely. Be generous with that. Be a good steward of that. Okay. So can we talk about Paul when he was in prison? And he talked about, well, he wrote the, the book to the Philippians in Philippi, Philippians 4, 12. He was in chains. He wasn't sure if he was going to be executed or not. And he writes this letter to the church of Philippi. And he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. So he's been on both sides of the spectrum. He's lived in poverty. He's lived in wealth or wealth, wealth. I mean, plenty that could just mean, I don't know more than he needs. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in every, any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this in him who gives me strength. Talk about using a verse out of context. Well, that's the Tim Tebow verse. <laughs> it is. Right? And I love Tim Tebow and this is nothing against him, but it yeah. is the Tim Tebow verse. But again, I mean, I think that we as Christians, we constantly use it out of context. So he goes on and says, yet it, it is good of you to share in my troubles. Can you disentangle or unpack that again? A lot of buzzwords, but can you talk about that in terms of Paul in prison in chains, not knowing if he's going to live or die and um, what he is speaking to the church of Philippi? Yeah. I mean, I thought you explained it pretty well. Oh, like, like here's a guy yeah. that he, <laughs> he came to a point in his life where he did seek first. God and his kingdom and his righteousness. So he went around preaching a gospel to, to declare, hey, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And that is a risky message to preach in the first century. So he gets thrown in prison for this. A guy who's been stripped, he's been beaten, he's been stoned almost to death. Um, snake bite stuff has, has happened. He's been homeless, like all sorts of things. And now here he is in prison, chained in a cell and writes this letter to the church at Philippi from a Roman prison. And this is often known as the book of where he mentions joy over and over again right. or rejoice over and over again while he's in prison waiting to find out if he's going to be killed or not. 
for simply being obedient and to live his life as one that's obedient to Christ. And it's, it's, yeah, like you read it. He, he said, man, I've, I've, I've learned what it means to like, I know what it's like to have plenty, uh, but I've learned the secret of being content in any and every mm-hmm. situation, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, where I have a lot or if I don't have a lot. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he, he had joy in all things, because I think people see others or comparative reality, right? Like there's always going to be someone, somebody wealthier than us. There's always going to be someone who's poorer than us. And, um, here is Paul saying, I've been both. I'm going to have joy in every circumstance. I'm going to be content in every circumstance. I don't think Paul was chasing riches. I don't think Paul was chasing wealth. He was chasing, he, he was literally on a mission to proclaim Jesus in every situation. It was not about him. It was not about what he could get out of it. It was, I'm going to pursue the gospel of Jesus and share that with everybody I know. Cause he had such a radical transformation on the road to Damascus. And he went from Saul persecuting, persecuting Christians to Paul, his radical conversion experience totally transformed his life. And so his life was not about, let me get as rich as I can. And then I'll share the good news. It was, I'm going to share the good news. And if I'm poor sharing the good news, I'm content. If I'm rich sharing the good news, I'm content. But it was never about getting rich. It was never about pursuing wealth. It was literally about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it had radically transformed his life. And I think that is something, I guess when we're talking about the wheat and the, the, the chaff, that's where it separates. What, if you're pursuing wealth, for the means of wealth to, oh yeah, I'm also going to give to the kingdom. Or is it like Paul, the greatest apostle, the greatest Christian to ever live outside of Jesus, in my opinion, to say in all things, I am content, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I have what I need, whether I don't have what, or whether I, I, you know, I'm asking people for, for, for money and people look down on that, you know, oh, you should make your own money. You shouldn't ask for people. No, even the apostles, relied on other people to support their ministry. And I think we need to look at, at Paul as an example of this. Sorry, I preached a little bit there. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> that was intense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was maybe five years ago or so, because I'm a nerd. I was reading a commentary on the book of Philippians, and I think it was Gordon Fee. Oh, I love him. Who said, um, you love Gordon Fee? Have you read much? No, but Gordon what Fee? I know of him, I like. <laughs> okay, that, that's what I thought. <laughs> no. Sorry, I totally, totally just called you out on you your own did. podcast. You did. You suck. I Sorry hate it. <laughs> yeah. No, I. from what you've talked yeah, about him, I like him. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Thank you. But I've never read anything. But I, I think it was him who, who kind of gave a definition of, as a follower of Jesus, here's what contentment truly means. Mm-hmm. It's that no matter what situation you're in, God's going to take care of you. Right. That whether you have a lot or whether you have a little that the reality is is being content is knowing God is going to take care of you. Mm. Not knowing your wealth is going to take care of you. And even when you're maybe living in poverty, still knowing that God is going to take care of you. Yeah. That is what contentment truly is. Well, I think we need to think about this. Can we preach the same gospel to people that we do in America, to people in a third world country? If the answer is no, it's a false gospel. Plain and simple, I don't care what you say, that is a false gospel. God wants you to be, does God want you to be rich, wealthy? How is that perceived to people in a third world country who are working 90 hours a week and making $5 a day? 
Some of the people who are proclaiming this message in America are wearing the same clothes made by people who are working the 90-hour weeks but only making $5 a day. So that's something to think about. We need to think, does our message of quote-unquote prosperity, which I hate that word because it's so tainted, the prosperity gospel, we need to be able to preach that same gospel to all nations, whether it be in America, whether it be in, you know, anybody in a third world world country to people holding churches underground in China. If your message of Jesus and the gospel cannot translate to all of those people, this is the thing, the Bible, it can translate to everybody. Like we can, we can apply it to everybody in every situation. If our, if what we're speaking is not translating to people across the world in all situations, it's most likely a false gospel. And that's something like we got to check our hearts on that. Um, can you talk a little bit about Mark 10 and the rich young ruler story? I think this story is so fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think even before that, it, okay. it, it's kind of important to, to even define like the word gospel. Like if we're going to say, can we preach the same gospel in America that we could to a third world country? Well, what, what does that mean exactly? And the word gospel was uh, was around even well, you know, before Jesus, and and it was meant as as a royal announcement of someone who's coming on the throne. So different kings, different royalty had certain types of gospels, mm. and the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, He is now on the throne. So if we're saying this is the gospel that we believe in then Jesus is on the throne of my heart. Like Jesus is Lord. So if there's ever a word that you put before that, then it no longer becomes the gospel. Right. It becomes... A false gospel. It becomes something different. Yeah. Um, so, and I think when I think about the gospel of Jesus, like I do think of the story kind of in Mark chapter 10. It's kind of this well-known story now, even in pop culture about this rich young ruler. So we'll just start off like in Mark 10, verse 17, where it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think this is a great question. Um, what must I do to inherit eternal life, but though is way different than what must I do to go to heaven when I die? So he's mm -hmm. not necessarily asking, hey, what do I need to do to go to heaven when I die? But the question is, what do I need to do now to live in a world where I'm at peace, where I'm content, where there's beauty, where I'm living the life the way God intended me to live. What does that look like? And that's a great question. And here's what Jesus says. Like, you know, he just says, why do you call me good? He says, no one's good except for God alone. You know the commandments. And he goes through what those commandments are. And then he says in verse 20, hey, all these I've kept since, since I was a boy. So he's like, hey, I'm I'm good. Like, I'm a good dude. I'm a good religious person. So it's like he's saying, hey, Jesus, I kind of have it all. Like, I'm a good guy. I have great relationships. I'm crushing it in business. I have a lot of money. But there's something missing. Like, I don't feel super content. I feel like there's something lacking. What is it lacking? And then in verse 21, Jesus says, looked at his heart, looked inside of him, at him, and loved him. And then one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And then notice like at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad. He was actually grieving because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it. 
Because, like, this guy, he goes away grieving because his stuff, his money to him was not a gift from God, but it was his God. It was, like Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 6, this was a rival God. And Jesus is trying to tell him, hey, you cannot serve both God and money. So what's at the center of your heart is obviously your money. So you have to give that away if you truly want to serve God. Because at the center of his heart, um, I mean, it's money. And he thought it's what money could give him. But to give that up, it would honestly just strip him of his identity. Like it would almost cause a death inside of him. And he had been led to believe, like like a lot of people, that money, stuff, and possessions is the source of how he's provided for it. Hmm. And I think so much to the point that when he's asked to surrender something over for eternal life, he grieves and he walks away sad. And what's so ironic about the story is that this man who appears to have everything actually has nothing and walks away from a life that could have been centered in God to centered in himself. And he's not skipping away smiling, but he's actually sad. So I think about that and I think if we all did a heart check right now and we said... If our, our wealth, because this is the thing, again, wealth is subjective, objective, subjective. You know, if you ever, someone's always going to be wealthier. Someone's always going to be like less wealthy than you. If you can look at yourself, and this is something for us all to think about. If all of that is stripped away from you in the name of Jesus, and Jesus said, give everything you have, give your house, give your, your bank account, give everything away to follow me. And I know people who have done this. I literally know who people have, they've said, we're selling all of our stuff and we're going to go be a missionary in whatever, you know, country it is. A lot of us aren't called to do that, but are we willing to do that? If we, if we can honestly sit in our, in a quiet space and say, Lord, if you ask me to sell everything I have and give away my influence, my wealth, my vacations, my car, whatever it is, my material possessions. And I would go and live a life of humility to, to further the gospel. I would do that. That, I think that's what Jesus was talking about in this. Do you think so? No, you're going to totally disagree with me, jerk. (laughs) No, but I do think that God was asking him like, are you willing to give up everything to follow me? Yeah. And first off, thank you for calling me a jerk. And <laughs> You're welcome. Secondly, <laughs> I think what we all have to do, like it, like if you're not a follower of Jesus, of course, but, but if you are, like we all need to look at like what is the center of our hearts? What is, what is the center? Like what is it that we're truly seeking most? What is it that we're truly chasing after most? Like, for this person, and I think probably for a lot of Americans in the 21st century, it is money and yeah. it's wealth. And it's what we think those things can provide for us. So Jesus looks into the person's heart and he says, oh, if this is going to be the center of your heart, that's not going to work. So whatever's at the center of your heart, if it's comfort, if it's security, mm. if it's safety, like you need to be willing to give that up. And put Jesus at the center of your heart because that is what's truly most important. I think we're saying the same thing because I think we're saying the same thing, just not the same thing, if that makes sense. Because I I feel like I have been challenged in that as well in terms of um, as a woman, you know, I want to be I want to feel like safe. I want to feel 
that my, all my needs are provided for. And, um, sometimes I have to just think, okay, God, you are my provider. You are going to take care of me again. Like going back to the John the Baptist, um, example, he lived off of locusts and wild honey and wore freaking animal skins. And he was so incredibly happy. Again, I don't think everybody's called to do that, but, um, are we, are we going to be content in Jesus and what he's, what he has called us to do is the biggest thing. This is a very complicated issue. I mean, this is not, this is not cut and dry. It's so complex because of the society we lived in. And obviously in the, in the context of the scriptures and when, when it was written, it was obviously an issue then too. And it's still an issue today that we're still talking about in 2023, you know, 2000 some years later after Christ's death and resurrection, um, we're still talking about this. And so it's something that needs to be spoken about more. And it, it doesn't need to be preached from the pulpit of like, you know, again, like you said, the prosperity gospel, if you put anything before the gospel, it's, it's a false gospel because the gospel stands alone. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, we have to figure out what that looks like in our own hearts. Yeah. And it's something that's going to be talked about for a long Forever. time. For, Absolutely. Because I mean, like Jesus, he, he said it, like money is a rival God. There right. is a allure to it that people are always going to pursue those things and the temptation is going to be to put that at the center of people's hearts like that is going to be there yeah and but so that's a like a temptation that everybody fights every single day yeah and like we've said there's nothing wrong with money there's nothing wrong with comfort there's nothing wrong with safety there's nothing wrong with security there's nothing wrong with those things but who are we putting our trust in? Mm. Uh, do we put our trust in money to provide those things or do we put our trust in God to provide those things? Right. Well, I mean, is your identity in wealth? And I think back on um, David Green from Hobby Lobby. If you guys know Hobby Lobby, I love it. We're getting one even closer to us. I told my daughter the other day, I'm like, you need to get a job at Hobby Lobby because I think she'll get a discount. <laughs> But I was also like, you don't have to work past eight and you get Sundays off. How amazing would that be? She's like, I don't want to work in retail. I was like, okay. Um, but he he was worth $14 billion. And I've read several articles about this. He does he decided to really give it all away. He said, I'm not giving it to my kids. I'm not giving it to my grandkids. He's not going to create generational wealth. He said, you know, they can work in our business and they're going to earn what they make in the business. And this is what Green said. He he said in the article, Green credited his faith in higher power as the true source of his success, noting that God was the true owner of my business and felt that passing the company down to his children and grandchildren would have been the wrong move. And he said this, quote, as an owner, there are certain rights and responsibilities, including the right to sell the company, keep the profits for yourself and your family. As our company grew, the idea began to bother me more and more, meaning well, attorneys and accountants advised him, advised me to simply pass ownership down to my children and grandchildren. It didn't seem fair to me that I might change or even ruin the future of grandchildren who not had not even been born yet. He realized that he was a steward and it was easy to give away ownership. He said this, it was easy to give own, away ownership of his $14 billion because he was just a steward. And he said this, and this stuck with me so much. Wealth can be a curse. And in most cases, if you drill down on it, wealth is a curse in terms of marriage, children, and things of that nature. 
So he says, we are stewarding our company and therefore our children come to work and they get what they earn. And he's not storing treasures on earth, but he's storing treasures in heaven. And I thought about that and I thought, man, here is a man worth $14 billion, which is a crazy amount of money. Most of us will never, uh, probably all of us listening to this will never see that amount of money in our lifetimes. Here's a man who says, none of this is mine. God, this is all yours. I will, I will abandon it in a second because wealth can be a curse and I'm going to abandon it because I don't want to put that curse or I don't want to ruin life, the, the, the lives of my grandchildren and people who haven't even been born yet. Yeah. And so I think about that and I think that is such a beautiful view of money. Are you willing to give it all up to say, God, this isn't mine. It was never mine. It's always been yours. And I will abandon it like that in a heartbeat because none of it is mine. Everything is yours. My goal is not to get richer. My goal is to follow you and to pursue you and to preach your gospel and to make sure that people are hearing about you and that your gospel is transforming their lives. So I'm going to end with this. Do you have anything to say? To end that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we could talk about. This. Oh, there there's is. a ton of other scriptures that we can <laughs> kind of point out. Um, but for the sake of trying to keep Time. this podcast about 30 minutes or so, we we probably need to wrap up shortly. Well, no one wants yeah. to hear us babble on for well, another half hour. They might want to hear me, but well, then they can listen to your messages <laughs> online. <laughs> sure. I'll have you on again, maybe <clears throat> if you play your cards right. But mm-hmm. this is the thing, and I'm going to leave you, you guys with this. I thank you for listening today. Um, I thank you for just you know tuning into this. I think it's an important conversation for us to just have as believers and Christ followers to make sure that, in the words of John Chris, we check our hearts. If you know John Chris, he's a Christian com- comedian. We need to really check our hearts on this. And decide, like, what is driving us? Is it truly propelling the gospel or is it about pursuing wealth? And so I'm going to leave you with this. The gospel isn't that you give your life to Jesus and then he wants to make you rich. The gospel is that you give your life to Jesus and he is enough no matter what. Take care, my friends. Thank you guys for joining us today. I hope that this episode has given you something to chew, to think about, to put in your back pocket, some type of nugget that you can take with you. Maybe you need it now. Maybe you'll need it later in life, or maybe you can share it with a friend. But I really feel like it is an important message to share with people, especially in this day and age. So thank you for listening. Please go follow me on Instagram at the unlikely pastor wife. If you've already done that, I thank you. Share my profile in this podcast with others. If you haven't already, go over to Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review that helps my message and my podcast get out to a lot more people. And I appreciate everyone who's already done that. So I appreciate you guys and we will see you next week. Bye.